Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Talking One for the Team. I'm your host, Tom Kane, and in this podcast, I'll be talking to individuals from the sports and fitness industry and beyond. We'll talk to the experts in their field and aim to provide a 360 degree insight into their journey in the industry, find out what sports and fitness means to them and the impact it can have on mental health. In this episode, I talk to Shane Gore, under 18 physiotherapist for Millwall Football Club. We'll find out how he became involved in an elite sports setting at the age of just 25, whilst also discussing how he views his responsibility in terms of managing his players for injuries and helping young teenagers develop into well-rounded adults. So without further ado, here is Talking One for the Team with Shane Gould. Hello, mate. Good morning. Morning, Mr. Gould. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Very well. How are we? Uh, yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. You've definitely won the award for the most early podcast on talking about the team so far. So here we are at quarter past eight in the morning. This man's already gone for a 5k run. I haven't done anything of the sort, but um, it's yeah. middle of the afternoon for me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm raring to go. I'm going to give you a little introduction first. Today, I'm talking to Shane Gore, an expert in his respective field, someone who I've known since secondary school and a man so knowledgeable in the sports and fitness industry. He even managed to help me achieve the second best grade in my A-level PE class. Unfortunately, there were only me and him in the class, but hey-ho, uh, we digress. Last year, at the tender age of just 25, he became the academy physiotherapist at Millwall Football Club. He's followed a spell as physio for championship rugby team Elin Trailfinders, whilst also working for the NHS as well after leaving university. Really excited to have Shane on this week's episode. We'll be talking through his journey in the industry of sports and fitness, how he's become a respected physio at a professional football club at such a young age, what sports and fitness means to him and how he sees firsthand some of the impact that injuries players suffer can have on mental health. Shane's also seen just how influential sports and fitness was in my life in providing me with an anchor and some structure in the years since dad passed in 2015, helping me to overcome some difficult times mentally. So 
Shane, that's probably the, the nicest I've ever spoken about you. Don't get used to it. <laughs> but before we dive in, I'm going to just start off with a question that I've been asking every guest on the pod so far. And that is, which sports team has inspired you the most from any sport and any era and why? <laughs> what an intro, mate. We should probably go on air more often. Mm. If I'm going to squeeze those out of you. Um, which sports team has inspired me most? I'm going to have to go. It's probably a bit of a boring answer for a man from Highbury, but it's got to be the Invincibles, doesn't it? I can't ever think of a time where there was more influence in, in a community and more of a buzz around a place than when they did it and the open top bus tour. I remember that like yesterday. I think I had the, uh, I had the red mohawk, just like Freddie Lundberg. Yeah, and that was kind of, that was back when footy was life, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it must be a bit gutting for all the Spurs fans, but you might have bumped into Harry Kane on the, uh, on the open bus <laughs> tour parade, because uh, I, I know he was there. Haircuts, at that time. Probably, mate, Pretty probably. Funny. But yeah, I'm not surprised that you said the Arsenal Invincible team. Any particular favourite player? Oh, it was all Freddie at that time, mate. Fred the Red. Yeah, yeah Fred the Red or Robbie Perez. You've gone for a bit of Fred the Red's uh, hairdo these days, oh, hasn't he? Yeah, he's shaved off a little bit later on, I think, as well. Um, <laughs> it must be that kind of Nordic influence that you're going for. I was surprised. I thought maybe a rugby team. I know you're a big rugby fan as well. I thought maybe one of them might come in. But listen, mate, I've converted now. Working with a round ball these days. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, that's not really too much of a surprise for me. Yeah, I mean, it's a long time ago now. What? 17 years ago, 18, 17 years ago. I think versus Arsenal fans, we're kind of all hoping for those days to kind of come back around the corner. How are you finding Arteta and his kind of reign at the moment? It's been an exciting few weeks to be an Arsenal fan, hasn't it? We had uh, the Olympiacos, the away win, and then going through on a loss. Yeah. Um, uh, North London derby, and then uh, at the weekend, West Ham. Yeah, that was a good game. Yeah, I had my head in my hands when we went down. But yeah, I mean, brighter skies are on the horizon, mate. I hope so, mate. And I know we've been saying that for 10 years, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> at least we've definitely got the best looking manager in the whole of the Premier League now, anyway. Great head of hair on him, old Mikel. So, um, fans as well, I heard. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know about that. I'm humbling myself. But yeah, so kind of starting off, I kind of wanted to talk around your journey through sports. As mentioned earlier, you're a physio for Millwall Football Academy now. But just to kind of start off, what does sports and fitness mean to you as someone who's basically spent all of his life involved in the industry yeah well I guess like sports and fitness encompassing the two is kind of everything for me isn't it um it's my work which is a tremendously important part of my life and I think the way that I approach my work is something that I see as highly important in terms of it's kind of the combination or the distillation of the things that I'm passionate about and the skills that I have and sport allows me to bring those things together you know, like applying my skills and, and experience and the things that I've put my mind to for many years in an environment and a setting that I'm passionate about. Yeah, like I can't really see myself working in any other environment at all, particularly in the near future. You know, things may change and I'm open to that idea. But for me, work is a really big part of my life. So like sport and sport by allowing me to, to create that kind of side of my life is really important. I think it's also a big part of socially now, you know, like the old MK dongs. And I think like, as we're all in our mid-20s now, everyone's very busy. It's that regular fixture that some people make excuses for, but you can't have an excuse for. And, and it's an opportunity to see your friends on a regular basis, which is, you know, it kind of saves you from those, oh, we should do this more often moments, which I think is really important because when we get to this age, life can get in the way and you kind of lose contact with people. So I think having something kind of like something shared that we all need to get around is, is so important to, to maintain those friendships. Because I'm certainly one who kind of gets a little bit, little bit lost in life and can can let those go. So 
that shared experience or the shared goal of playing football together is, is massively important socially. Just going to say to any listeners out there who want to come down and watch the Dongs, it's Thursday nights up in Shoreditch High Street, Shoreditch Power League. You usually find us in the box park just after across the road as well for a couple of, <laughs> a couple of beers as well. So that's the, that's the, the post-match uh, debrief. You're right in terms of when work gets busy and, and life kind of goes on pause a lot of the time or life with friends. I think sport is a driver to kind of get people together. And as you said, have those shared experiences. And some of the best experiences in life I've had have, have been mm. through sport and kind of that camaraderie that, that you develop. But yeah, I mean, you, I think you're probably in a pretty envious position. I think a lot of people in our positions, uh, a lot of kids growing up, want to be involved in the sports industry uh, or the sports and fitness industry as their career. And it doesn't turn out as a reality for a lot of people. For the listeners who don't know, you played sport to a decent level through school and at university. When did you kind of realise, obviously you, was, you were always very big into your rugby. When did you realise maybe a, a career in professional sports as an athlete wasn't going to happen? And then obviously kind of your path into becoming a, a physio. Yeah, so funny one, because like, I don't know if I ever really took the professional athlete thing that seriously myself you know kind of past like when you're 10 and someone asks you what you want to be when you grow up and you say I want to be a footballer but yeah like I think and that's not to say that I didn't take the rugby very seriously through my teenage years but I think that you're right that rugby kind of was the main sport and I was always very driven and like kind of had my sights set on something and rugby was a way of kind of expressing that kind of desire to like improve myself and better myself and excel and and achieve like quote unquote success and rugby was just kind of another avenue by which I would do that so I was kind of always looking for an edge or how can I how can I improve or how can I make myself better for example that's kind of how I first got into like strength and conditioning and things like that because it was like what ways am I seeking that I can get one up or get an edge or, or improve and I think that although, I, yeah, I didn't really see it as a professional career, it was just another avenue by which I was going to be the best I could be or, or actually just be the best at that one thing. And whether that was sport, if it was academia, you know, those are the kind of things that are like your avenues to success in those teenage years when everyone has those kind of pipe dreams of being a professional athlete. So, yeah, I never really like, maybe I'm just saying this because I knew it wasn't good enough though, <laughs> but I don't think I ever really took it entirely seriously or was committed enough to it but as I say like I really loved that environment I think what you know you were just saying earlier about what sport means to you is you know talking about those experiences you have growing up the camaraderie and the the shared experience with your teammates and the hardship and the, the kind of working through hard times the highs and the lows was something that I really wanted in my life and I wanted from my career but I suppose it wasn't until later that I realised that maybe that was through a different role in a sports club or a different role involved in health and fitness rather than actually being the athlete. And I guess, yeah, I'd like to answer your kind of second part of the question about how the physio came about, that it was probably through that endeavour to excel and achieve and, and better myself that I discovered S&C or kind of what are the ways that I can push physiological changes in my body to make me better and understanding more about performance and, and injury and things like that, that kind of led me down an academic interest in physiotherapy. And obviously like, you know, you kind of pick up injuries along the way. I remember when I was playing at Ealing Trailfinders, going into the physio room and kind of, I was a bit younger than the other guys. And I was like sitting in the change room, looking around. I just had like a little injury and I was kind of watching this, this woman who was a physio there kind of in her flow state, like, assessing people getting them in showing them how to do things fixing them up I was like this is quite cool 
and then find out that she got paid for it. I was like, what? Wow, that's something I could be interested in. What age were you then? So this was last year of school, just after school. So I was 18. Because yeah, yeah, actually, like I was set to go and do economics at university. And I had this like revelation moment in a B&B with my old man up in Edinburgh thinking like, fuck, do I want to sit behind an Excel spreadsheet for the rest of my life? And then we kind of spoke about all of those things. And that's kind of, yeah. And then I, I, we had the year out and then I ended up going to do physio the next year. Yeah. Knowing you for as long as uh, I've known you now, I can't imagine you sit by an Excel spreadsheet. It seems like a million miles away. And I had that kind of uh, first-hand experience of being in an A-level PE class with you. And I always saw from that age, for me anyway, and probably even younger, that you were wanting to do something in sport. Maybe you just hadn't realised it yet. He was always very driven and, and wanted to succeed. And that's something that probably like in the last couple of years has definitely pushed me on and motivated me. And you mentioned about your dad. I wanted to talk that touch on him a little bit in terms of his influence on your career because obviously he's a retired GP he's just actually come out of retirement I guess uh in the fight against COVID dishing out the jabs overseeing all that all that good stuff and um obviously he was a GP and that was a vocation for him right and I know he was he's big into his sport loves his arsenal loves his rugby and I wanted to ask if that was an influence and you just mentioned about a conversation you had in a B&B with him so yeah maybe if that was an influence and a desire to get into physio from him yeah, I think like he definitely has had a massive influence upon me, but more so in, I suppose like there probably is like subconscious influence in like healthcare and things like that. And I'm not as smart as him, so I couldn't be a doctor. So, <laughs> but more so that like he was very much an influence in terms of pushing me towards the things that might best suit me or a way to live my life. And that kind of I suppose is what leads to like a revelation of don't go down the normal path and go and do economics. It probably wasn't right for me and, and sit behind a desk just because that's kind of, and, and not there's anything wrong with that for, for anybody, but that's kind of like a, a straightforward route that a lot of people take and that is potentially very right for them. But I don't think if I was being honest with myself it was really right for me, but it was safe and it was something that I understood and saw it around me. So he was very influential in kind of, you know, having faith in yourself to, go forth and do something that is right for you and basically like telling me that life is too short to choose the wrong thing and funnily enough he, he quite frequently says that if he had his time again he'd be a builder because he just thinks that <clears throat> living the lifestyle and, and having a, a really enriched and happy day-to-day mm. is the way to go rather than kind of thinking too big about what you want to achieve or, or money or mm. I don't know following the pathways that you've seen of other people so although not directly kind of leading me towards the physio, it's kind of like, how do you want to live your life? And the things he taught me about that are probably what led me here. And hey-ho, he was very right because I love every day with my work. And I think that that's an invaluable lesson I took from him. Yeah, and I think in in society, having that kind of guidance, we're always kind of pushed to achieve the absolute maximum that we can, right? And sometimes that can get difficult if you don't have the right sort of guidance and maybe sometimes someone there to kind of put it into perspective and having that kind of guide and influences without that is, is massively important. And then, yeah, and like, you're right though, isn't it? Because you're kind of pushed towards achieving your absolute maximum um, or, or doing the best that you can. But I think that people don't really think about what achieving the absolute maximum actually is. Like, what do you really want? And it's kind of the absolute maximum maybe set in your head as, I don't know, financial success or, or fame. Now it's probably more like, uh, internet fame or, or yeah. success for, for people younger than us but do you ever have a step back and think actually that 
my actual ideal of success is to live well every day and, and enjoy every day. And if that is, then you should probably reevaluate where you're headed because you might be charging towards that presupposed goal that other people have set for you and achieve that. Um, but it wasn't actually the right goal. So, And we're going to come on to a bit about goal setting and, and kind of your journey in the last year in particular a little later on. But before we move on to that portion of the show, I kind of wanted to touch on just to kind of tell listeners out there who might be aspiring to go into physio, maybe they've never thought they want to become a physio, but maybe you're going to inspire them, Shane Gore. So you just touched on, uh, you had that kind of revelation light bulb moment in the Airbnb after you left school. You then went to university, went to Nottingham University uh, and decided to study physiotherapy. I remember you doing uh, work in hospitals. I think it was up in Derby, wasn't it? Why don't you tell us a little bit around the course, how you found it, how you found working in a in a hospital up in the Midlands, uh, a boy from North London, and any advice you could kind of give to any potential aspiring physios? It's it's not an easy path to take, I'd say, but if it is the right path for you, and you, I think you will soon find that out, then it's an incredibly rewarding one to go down, and absolutely worth every bit of the hardship that you're going to experience. I say that is kind of in summary how it's been for me, and yeah, the university lifestyle is very hard you got mates that you're living with who are doing geography who are in for six, eight hours a week and you're in for 30. So there's plenty of late nights followed by early mornings and shaking off a hangover in a lecture. But again, like it's something that I was genuinely interested in. And although there's going to be moments where you hate it and you think, fuck this, I should have just, you know, I could be sitting in bed or playing FIFA at 11 o'clock in the morning with my mates. Actually, going through that whole process is absolutely worth it when you come out the other end of it because you go into a career and a a profession that that you love and you can enjoy so yeah it's not an easy university lifestyle and I think it's very difficult because there's so much to learn and so much to know at that point that you feel very lost or stuck in the mud and like you're never going to get better and then kind of coming out of it that you kind of have to start from the bottom you definitely got to do some NHS work and I mean talking about my pathway like it starts out with working for free in sport is the way you go and you're not going to see any money for a little while but again if you you genuinely enjoy that and and you're driven by your passion and and if you enjoy the learning process and it's it's something that actually stimulates you intellectually as it does me those hours are worth it and yeah there's going to be weekend work and there's going to be late work however if that's the right thing for you I don't think that it will feel like a struggle if you're able to reflect on your time and and obviously don't get too caught up in your emotions at the time when it's 10 o'clock at night and you've just finished a a shift at the rugby club and you've got to be up at seven in the morning to then go back into the NHS because you're going to think this is shit so yeah I think like it's an incredibly tough time particularly if you want to go down the sports route but surrounding yourself with like-minded people within the profession really makes it a lot easier and to have a shared community I think as I did having some kind of clear goals is a really great way to go in terms of like progressing through a career and you can have a a fantastically diverse career within it as well. Like working in a sports club is entirely different to working in a clinic. It's a totally different environment. It's like a different job altogether. And yeah, I love it. And I think I'm kind of an example of somebody who stuck with it and has reaped the rewards of that. And then a dear friend of mine, George Saunders, who went through the university process with me and realized at the end of the three years that Probably he is much more of a man who uh, lives to work. I mean, works to live. I'm much more of a man who uh, lives to work. And he decided that actually this probably isn't right for me. And he completely changed career. And I think if you're going to go into it, just be cognizant of you may have that realisation and you have to be brave enough like he was 
to jump ship if it isn't right. And if it isn't right, you, you might have lost some time, but you know, working in the hospitals of, uh, of Derbyshire and Nottinghamshire are definitely going to be some good character building and some fun experiences. So I would go for it if you have any interest. Ever see any of your uni mates in A&E after a night out? Uh, <laughs> he was doing a shift on the physio. Nothing that I can talk about <laughs> now, anyway. All right, that's fine. We'll move on. Yeah, so you went to university, talked kind of about those hard yards you were putting in working for the NHS and working for the rugby club. I remember... Trying to get an hour in with you back then was even harder as it is now. So, I mean, it was, I remember how hard you used to work. And, and tell us how you kind of got involved with Ealing. I know you said you played there for a little bit. So, tell us how that progression worked in terms of becoming physio there. So, obviously, I played there for a couple of seasons before in the academy. And I had like a bit of a relationship with the head coach, a guy called John Lacey. So, I finished up at uni and I was kind of thinking like, what am I going to do here? So, I just called him up and spoke on the phone and he invited me down. And we had like a kind of informal interview and... He was like, yeah, you can, you can come on board. We're not going to pay you at first. You're going to see what you're mm. like. So yeah, then pre-season 2017, went down there. I can remember day one, he's brought me into the physio room. I've met the physio, Matt, and he's been like, oh yeah, this is Shane. He's a new grad physio who's going to come down and help him. Matt's standing there like, what? Who's this guy? So obviously he hadn't even communicated to him. And this guy's thinking, oh, I've got this useless bloke standing <laughs> down, just getting in the way. And yeah, like that's where it kind of began. You don't really get training for sports physio, like at university, it's very much they train you out to be a hospital physio. So I made a hell of a lot of mistakes, learned a hell of a lot on the way. But yeah, I was there for, what, two years, two, two, two and a bit years, seasons really. And yeah, incredible experience. Obviously, you see just about every injury you can imagine working in a rugby club. And yeah, that was where it all kind of started. And that was just part time, obviously, until and then it was only full time sport is a very different environment a much more elite environment and that's kind of when I started at Millwall that was my first like experience of that. So did you actively kind of search out Millwall do you think I remember having conversations with you and I think there was a realization that you were working too hard you were doing too much you were working NHS full-time and eating on top of that and probably sacrificed a little bit in terms of social life I think that's something you became aware of well you became aware of it and you thought you know what I need a change here is that when you went looking for Millwall or did Millwall approach you? How did that kind of work as well? It was definitely that I went looking for it. And yeah, I think you're right. Like the work-life balance had tipped too far in the, the direction of the work. And that was pulling crazy weeks and spending a lot of time traveling. And I kind of got to the point where I, it, it was starting to drain me, not emotionally, but like I just didn't have the zest for anything else really, because I was just, I was flat out. And I think that it was definitely a necessary step, however, because you need to gain the experience in both the clinical setting and the sports setting to be able to gather the skills up enough to be attractive enough for an elite sports setting to invite you in. So it was kind of like a rite of passage that I had to go through, like give my time again, I'd certainly do it because it's what allowed me to get to the position I'm in now. And it's funny you say that because I don't think I actually work any less now with Bill. However, it's kind of like... I think if you get to that point and you are in the right space and you're in the right job, being at work is just being myself. And it's so much a part of who I am that I don't really feel like I'm working. Although there is an element to like, you're never not working because the phone is always on that side of it as well. But then we we take the example I was talking about earlier with somebody who it might not potentially be right for with George Saunders or myself, who it may be right for. I feel completely happy in myself and and I wouldn't swap it. Even though you think, oh, being on call all the time, that, that must be horrendous. But I take it any day of the Excel spreadsheets, as you say. Yeah. Guy can't, I can't even do an equal sum. <laughs> I'm not going to give you any advice on that, mate. I know you're a big fan of Jordan Peterson and he talks about having 
responsibility in your life kind of helps you find meaning of it and it sounds like being on call and having that responsibility keeps you on your toes basically is how I would describe it so you've been at Millwall now just over a year in the under 18s I actually remember going and watching one of the last games I went to before the world's changed with a pandemic I went to Millwall under 18s versus Chelsea under 18s at Stamford Bridge and there's a pack support at Millwall. You got yeah. us tickets, me and a couple of our friends. And um, it was an experience going and standing with, I think it was about 3,000 Millwall fans in the away end at, at Stamford Bridge. But unfortunately, you didn't get to get on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> you had about 15 minutes of the game out there. And yeah. uh, unfortunately, one of our players, God bless him, poor kid, like massive moment in his life, had a pretty nasty concussion. So he got uh, stretched off and then me and him spent the rest of the game in a medical room in Stamford Bridge. Obviously, as he's concussed, you can't even, you know, you don't really want to expose them to, to any screens or anything like that. So the poor guy couldn't even watch the game in real time. So, yeah, that was my experience. You probably have a, a better recollection of the day than I do, to be honest, mate. When I saw that you weren't on the sideline, it was an FA Cup quarterfinal. I think it was on like a Tuesday night or something. I stayed to about the 70th minute and thought, you know what, it's time to go to the pub and, and catch a couple of beers before the train home. But yeah, it feels like a long time ago now that, doesn't it, with uh, the last year that we've been in. And yeah, as I said, that was the last time for me that I went to a game where there was a football or any sporting event with fans. But it looks like hopefully that's coming back in the next couple of months. So it's been a strange year, to say the least. It's a year yesterday that we went into the full lockdown. Wow. So Coming on to lockdown uh, and the pandemic, how did that kind of change your well your routine? I think the listeners will probably agree that you're a man that likes his routine and likes his structure. I know I would. And then I've spoken on the pod before about how I, I was placed on furlough, which was came with a lot of challenges myself and kind of that identity that we've kind of touched on a little bit with work and that's all stripped away and you have so much uh, spare time and thinking time on your hands. How did you go about kind of combating that in terms of like personal sense and then when you started reintegrating with work talking about like zoom sessions and phone consultations and, and adapting to the new ways of working so yeah I guess from like a, a personal point to, to the first part of the question that yeah you're right it's like life is we're kind of cruising through life and you have no idea what you know nobody could have guessed what was around the corner for us and you have this monumental change to your every day that just slapped us out of nowhere, really, didn't it? Um, and I think that in that time, everyone kind of became, not obsessed, but we we became, it, it became very topical to kind of have your programme and have your routine and, and like what are the things that you do and how you keep them busy sort of thing. And that's something that I have always held to the, like the utmost importance in my life that uh, enables me to, to do the things I want to do and it enables me to be who I want to be, really. I think that like, I find that structure and routine and kind of having things set gives me a, a tremendous amount of freedom because it just takes decisions out of my day. Like you probably know that I've eaten the same breakfast every day for, for the last two or three years because it's just something, it's pre-prepared, it's something I don't even think about. And like those small things like that and you know, getting up at, at the crack of dawn and, and having my morning routine are like so important to be able to just function and it just takes any stress or decision making out of, out of the day someone like me who loves his food it's, it's quite a big decision to make yeah. um, so like small things like that and I guess kind of when you don't have to get up and go to work that, then that kind of warps all of that and you have to like adjust and I think that humans are incredibly adaptable everyone has really well you know incredibly well adapted to that new way of life however then when you do go back into it and I'm sure like probably reflect this question back to you just getting back to work mm. now like it's a bit of a shock to the system and 
you start being filled with all these new emotions of, of like anxiety or uncertainty as we were when we first got locked down to, yeah. you know, for me, it was like back in July when football started back up again, going into work and all of a sudden I've got to interact with people. And I, I was living at home in the first lockdown. The only two people I've been seeing face to face were my mum and dad. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I think like then that comes with its new challenges. I don't know how, how you feel about that. Like it's probably fresher for you right now. Yeah. I mean, look, I've spoken on previous episodes about how it was a struggle and that kind of, lack of routine like we just touched on and I guess the lack of control because yeah we're creatures of habit for sure I know I am I like my peanut butter bagel in the morning uh, just like you like your breakfast that's kind of my set routine and yeah it was difficult it was difficult because you think you're on a strong pathway come out of university with a degree got a job near enough straight away graduated on Friday started work on the Monday back in 2018 got a promotion within a year things were going really well for me and then just so happens that a pandemic hit and I was working in a, an out-of-home media owner, which obviously revenues were massively affected. So furlough has been difficult, but I kind of will draw it back to the Jordan Peterson thing about having responsibility. And that's something that's really kind of helped me in the last, uh, definitely in the last few months. I mean, we had that return to some sort of normality during summer and obviously that was easier to actually go and see people, like seeing people. But so I kind of wanted to start the podcast, one, to share my like story with dad and mm-hmm. follow a passion in terms of, of sports and fitness, but also to give me responsibility. I'm hoping that this pod is going to kind of instill some responsibility and sharing my story and helping others who might not be willing to talk about how they've struggled in the past or in the present, how they're struggling right now. But I'm hoping that by just normalizing this conversation around, especially men speaking about their feelings and, and opening up will hopefully inspire maybe some potential listeners to to kind of seek out some help as and when they need it. So yeah, that's kind of why I started it up. Look, you've known me for how long and you know that sports and fitness plays a, an integral part of my life. Especially after dad passed, it was something that it just gave me like some real routine and structure. I train most days now, I do some sort of exercise just because one, it makes you feel great. Obviously the endorphins <laughs> that it releases, yeah, that's about as far as you'll get on my A-level PE. <laughs> But two, it's that structure and that routine and the camaraderie that we talked about. We play on Thursday nights, football every week. Well, coming back next week anyway. And that's something that I really look forward to. Breaks up the week, makes you get out of the house and go and see some friends and kind of escape, isn't it? I always see that sport and fitness is sometimes an escape from like sometimes the harsh reality of life. And those kind of moments you you share on a football pitch or in in the gym or whatever, they're really, really powerful to me. Totally. I, I think like sport particularly ahead of fitness I think particularly as you're growing up in your teenage years which are so important for kind of developing and socialization and who you are that the the highs and the lows that you go through in sport and the lessons that you learn about hardship or adversity and and you know particularly teamwork and things like that stand you in fantastic stead for for Mm. the rest of your life and it's kind of like I always see sport as like a kind of microcosmic example of like a human life where you have like the best bits, you have the worst bit, you have the blood, sweat and tears and, and you have the, like I said, the emotional highs and lows. And I think it prepares you so well to experience that outside of that environment. It's just a controlled environment of that. And it's funny that you say that escapism and kind of relating that to your dad, but like, it feels like I'm interviewing you now, but it, it kind of triggered me thinking that like, really... For me, it, seeing the change in you was after your dad passed was you, you were quite the opposite of escaping. I think the the adversity and the hardship 
that you experienced with the passing of your dad and the tragedy of it was what kind of really turned you into a man. And that was when you really started to take responsibility and, you know, linking back to what you were saying about responsibility. I think that was when you kind of, you know, this is just from outside seeing that you turned it around at university. You started doing really well. You're really taking your relationship with your mum seriously. You were looking after her. You were thinking about your prospects after university in a much more serious way than I had ever seen. And I think you really came of age as a result of that Mm. experience. And I suppose, was that something conscious where you're like, fuck, like I'm going to have to do this now? Or did you just start to notice the changes in yourself? Like, How how did that happen? You know what, mate? I think it just comes down to fight or flight, isn't it? When Mm. all those kind of um, circumstances around you are maybe falling away, you have a decision to make. And it, for me, it wasn't really a decision. It was just subconsciously, it was, this is the thing to do now. Mm. Dad was always, uh, he was a good influence. He was my best friend. Um, he worked really hard. He was, the listeners who don't know, he was a market trader in Portville Market, owned a couple of market stalls down there. And that's kind of where I kind of gained my experience in frontline sales. And that's kind of why I'm in sales now. It's something that's kind of embedded into me, that hard work. And I used to remember getting up and going to the wholesalers market at, three o'clock in the morning with him sometimes uh, on the weekends and getting stock which I used to hate at the time but looking back on, on those things it's it's like wow that was the influence in my life how hard he worked for his family to provide the best that he could so losing him was really difficult but I always say that it was it was the defining moment in my life up to this point because it was the worst thing that happened to me in terms of losing my best friend but it was something that also was uh I don't want to say it was a blessing in disguise, but it made me wake up and go, look, life's coming at you pretty quickly now. Life isn't always going to be sheltered and, and kind of comfortable. You kind of got to take yourself out of the comfort zone and, and learn, look, this is life. And like you said, I think sport mirrors that. You have your incredible highs. Uh, and my incredible high was the relationship I had with dad as my best friend. And those incredible lows that you can get in sport was unfortunately his passing. Um, but it's something that I look back on and with a lot of pride and for my year in industry at university, I took his bricks and mortar kind of store online, which is something that I was very proud of as well. And now here I am again, six years in in June, sorry. And I'm doing a podcast talking about how it's good to share and be open and honest about mental health and tying it into a passion of mine in sports and fitness. Again, something that's kind of in his memory. So yeah, I'm really proud of how far I've come. And yeah, that's kind of why I wanted to get you on the show because you're in a situation where you work in the sports and fitness industry. Uh, me and you have had chats over the years about mental health and and being aware of it and being able to talk about it I think is like crucial to be honest I think if you bottle it up and you're not willing to talk about it I've seen how it can affect affect people in a really really negative way so yeah I mean that's kind of why I wanted to start the show and that's why I want want to encourage people to kind of to get talking and yeah furlough and and the last year has brought with its challenges and I think I would have found it a lot more difficult if I hadn't have gone through that experience with that all those years ago now. It's really <clears throat> well worded the way that you said it was a defining moment in your life because I think that kind of quite nicely encompasses that it was absolutely tragic, but it was also something that you've managed to spin into something incredibly positive in the way that you've kind of carved your own way through life. And I think yeah, like I'm sitting here talking about hardship and adversity and all those things that you experience in sport, but, and and as you say that it mirrors it, but I don't think it can truly, it can truly prepare you for that, particularly not anything of that level. 
However, I do think that everyone is going to experience that sort of thing in their life at some stage. And I think having the tools necessary in your toolkit to be able to combat those things and when it does come your way, because it is going to happen, you know, everyone's going to lose a family member or have a, I don't know, you can have a relationship that completely falls beneath you um, when you think things are going completely fine or, or that can happen with work. So I think that the way that you're bringing together the mental health and the, the, the sports and exercise and things like that together is it, such a fantastic way to basically make yourself less fragile and be prepared for, for when that adversity eventually does come your way, that you're ready for it. Um, yeah, and that's where I see my responsibility, one within the friendship group that we're in, as you said, everyone's going to go through it, but I've been through it and mm. I know the struggles of getting, even till now, it's not something that you kind of just, after a certain amount of time, it dissipates and it goes away. It's something that you live with every day. It's something that you just learn to live with. And I guess you learn to manage, but you try and channel that energy in a way that is positive. And I think that's what I've tried to do with this pod. And, and I'm really, I'm really pleased with how I've dealt with it. And yeah, as I said, I think that's kind of my responsibility in the group. Talking about responsibility as well, I wanted to ask you in your day-to-day with Millwall, obviously in professional sport, injuries are part and parcel, right? I wanted to touch on kind of your responsibility. Obviously, you have a duty of care in terms of their physical well-being when a player might, I don't know, maybe do his ACL and be out for a long time, right? These are young teenagers a lot of the time. Talk a little bit about through the process of managing a long-term injury, a little bit about your like day-to-day at Millwall maybe, and if you feel there's a duty of care on you to kind of look after their mental well-being as well as their physical well-being. So, yeah, it's funny you say that as well, like thinking about responsibility, because as a physio in a sports club or, or as part of a medical team, which is generally built up of physio, sports scientists and doctors, you do have a tremendous amount of responsibility for your patients or your players. And not only do you have that, but you spend every day with them. I probably see them more than I see anybody. And yeah, you kind of as you were saying that about the long-term injury back in January, one of my players sustained a a very serious injury that will put him out for the rest of the season. And I was devastated for for a week. Like I was, I was losing sleep over it. And was there more I could have done or or did I do something wrong? And and all of those kind of, you question yourself so much and all those things go into your head. And I think that, yeah, you, you do have a responsibility to take care of them, but also the, the kind of team environment and the fact that you feel a part of something that's bigger than you and that, particularly when you know he was only a 17 year old player you've pretty much got his career in your hands if you do something terribly wrong that you do have a tremendous amount of responsibility and you do really care for those players and you become invested in their future so there is a lot of responsibility that can sometimes take an emotional strain on you but again I think that's part and parcel of the job and it's a great thing to care that much about what you do and your role in that um do you sorry to interrupt do you think that's kind of where we talked about the escapism of sport and that fitness. Do you think that's kind of where maybe you let off some of that emotional strain? It seems like for me, looking on the outside in, the rewards in football are huge, right? And professional sport are huge. And that's a lot of lot of stress to take on board. Uh, you managing an injury in the way you just talked about it. Is that kind of where sports and fitness kind of, I know you're in the industry, working in the industry, but your participation in the, in sports and fitness kind of gives you that release and that break from the day-to-day, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, you, when you when you're playing sport or or you're you I don't know you're doing like a really hard session, you're in that total flow state, aren't you? Like mm. you, your brain doesn't have the capacity to think about anything else other than surviving or other than playing the game and winning the game. Mm. And I think having those momentary breaks from your experience and your life stress, of which 
we have very little of now with our devices and things that never leave us alone. Mm. I think it's really important to, to take that step back. It kind of gives you a bit of perspective and just removes you even momentarily from that and from the kind of the, the egoic chatter that goes on in your mind 24-7. So yeah, I really think that it does help that as an escape. But, but then also like, I know we, we keep talking about it, but having responsibility brings meaning and, and having meaning you know, attaching meaning to that stress makes it totally worthwhile as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why I think like doing something that's important to you, for example, for you, this podcast is going to bring stress for you. It's going to bring extra work, but if it's something that's close to your heart and you derive meaning from that, that all the stress is worth it. And if you have the time and, and the kind of presence to reflect on your experience with that, that it will be worth every second. I know that waking up at six o'clock this morning for the first time in in a long time was uh was added stress but yeah uh, I'm enjoying the chat so far so I- I'll let you off that one and just kind of talk a little bit about your day-to-day so like when you go into when you've got a game on Saturday I think you have games Saturday mornings right maybe talk a little bit a brief like summary of your week I think the best kind of way to talk about it would probably be like what the week looks like and then what the day-to-day looks like so you kind yeah. of you have Monday is match day plus two. So it's two days after. It's kind of a bit of an easier session. It's a bit of recovery. It's kind of checking in with everyone how they were after the weekend and, it, and it's getting the week going. Tuesday will be a more physical session. It will be a really hard day for the players because you're kind of far enough away from the previous and far enough away from the next match to really stress them. So all 16 to 18 year old players will be on a scholarship with the club. So Wednesday is the day when they have education. So it's usually a day off for, for the staff or a day kind of not in, which is why we're here now and kind of the time that I spend doing my master's uh, work and, and things like that. Thursday is then again, another very physical day for them. And then Friday is match day minus one. So it's kind of a match prep session, basically mm-hmm. Saturday match day. And then like, I guess the, the, that's kind of the weekend. It's pretty set like that throughout the season. And then what do you want to know? Like a bit of detail about the days? Yeah. Maybe, no, maybe not like a huge amount. You can mm-hmm. just like kind of touch on like day to day. Um, yeah like how it works with you yeah so you, you kind of pre-covid times because that would give you a better idea of what it would be like you, you have a, a morning meeting with all the staff at about 8 a.m probably before that it would be about 7 30 as the medical staff kind of informally will meet and catch up and talk about things then we kind of we're all on the same page before we go into that staff meeting you have a staff meeting plan the day out everyone kind of catches up my role would generally be like injury updates how people are getting on what they're going to be doing, who they might be with in terms of coaches or sports scientists or physios and what their plan is for the week. Then everyone goes off to breakfast, you come back. Uh, physios will do screening. So it's kind of checking in with every play, do some physical tests, see how they were. If there's anyone who's picked anything up at the weekend, it's kind of assessing that. Then they'll, they'll go out to training, they'll train, you have lunch. After lunch, it's kind of, again, checking in with any of those players who might have been struggling a bit, looking at all of that screening data, thinking who are we going to, manage their training this week or are we going to change anything or add anything for certain individuals or maybe do some treatments to help with their recovery and things like that yeah and then that's kind of how a a day generally goes and then yeah the the Tuesday and Thursdays are a little bit different because they'll have their gym work and injury prevention work on top of the training and they often have a double training session on a Tuesday uh, and or a Thursday so it's a pretty big day um, but yeah, that's kind of how the day to day day goes. On um, Wednesdays, you touched about that's kind of your day off. Do they do a sports diploma? Is that right? That's it. They do a sports diploma, yeah. don't they? Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think that's important because yeah, a lot of a lot of these kids unfortunately won't make it. I think it's important that they have that kind of education as well as not just that one hundred percent focus on on all things kind of football um, or sport. Um, totally. And I think that like at that age, you know, try and think back to when you were a sixteen to eighteen year old 
kid we weren't working anywhere near as hard as them for a lot of them we were no way near my head was nowhere near as screwed on as a lot of them at such a young age because it is a career where it really takes off when you're young and the academy manager at Mill was a really good guy and is always saying you know in in kind of not so many words but it's like we're not just teaching them how to be footballers we're teaching them how to be men and you have a tremendous role and influence on people of, of boys of that age and you have to set a role uh, a good example to them and you have to teach them about how to to be a man and how to be a person and, and kind of on the level of just who they are as opposed to just being a footballer so I think that education is a massive part of it if you want to provide them with a good springboard and platform to go out and, and be a successful person in the world whether that's through football or something else yeah uh, and yeah, they are really supported by the club in terms of education throughout their scholarship. And then I know that if they want to continue, that the, they're very supportive in doing so. And one of the players now who actually got offered a pro contract last year that I worked with in the 18s is doing further education. So he's doing a uni degree, a, a bit of an anomaly with how switched on he is as a kid. But yeah, and the club's very supportive of that. So I, I totally agree with you. I think it's really important because as you say, not everyone's going to make it as a pro footballer. Yeah. And like, I think for the listeners, that's like really interesting to hear all of that kind of insight into how a day to day in a professional football club works, because I know I was very invested in the in the Amazon doc with, with Tottenham and getting to see Deli Ali talk about his toothbrush uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the morning was something that, that made me laugh. And Mourinho and his kind of... He's a room chat. Yeah. I mean, look, as much as I... I dislike Tottenham. It's nice to get that insight. And I'm hoping maybe, Shane, after this pod uh, blows up, you might get a, a call and they want to do an Amazon dock at Millwall Football Club. So if they do, I'll, I'll try and make a little appearance as well. Nobody watching. We'll kind of kind of move towards the back end of the chat now. And I know that you're obviously doing Millwall, but I think it's important that during lockdown and in the last year or so, you've come up, you, you've got involved with a couple of different uh, initiatives and, and businesses that you're involved with. I don't know if you want to talk about Next Level Performer and the GAP program, which you've set up and, and maybe give the listeners a little bit of insight into that. Yeah, well, I suppose Next Level is quite topical with the work in football. So um, essentially Next Level Performer is a, a, we're a company where we aim to deliver elite level care to athletes, footballers who don't have that facility so it's kind of players who are out of the academy system potentially didn't get their pro after their scholarship or trying to break in or even a a player who's you know in in the lower tiers and wants to move up a tier and improve that's what we're there to kind of facilitate and enable them to do taking their game to the next level and shameless (laughs) plug shameless plug so it's kind of like the four pillars of of the care so we have myself as a physiotherapist who manages the medical side of it we've got jim summersby who's the the head of physical development who's got a background in strength and conditioning and sports science um then we've got dan molina who is a, a football coach so he's working with england women's at the moment and we also have tom cook who is a sports psychologist and performance psychologist so that's kind of like the four key areas that we feel that players who aren't in that elite system really miss out on. And any player who's looking to improve their game and wants help from one, two, three or four of us has that opportunity to do so. Um, And it's just about working with them to give them, to level the playing field basically and give them every opportunity that those other players are getting um, to ensure that, you know, they nail all all the basics and they nail the foundations that they are able to progress on. Where do you kind of see next level? Uh, what's the next level for next level? I guess like where do you see it in the in the next three or five years? You can tell this man works in sales. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at the moment we're just trying to 
build a bit of momentum in terms of getting players into the system and really proving what we can do. Because I think it's something that's a bit new and not really been done before. People aren't really aware of it. We have recently joined forces with an agency called Catalyst. So that's kind of where we want to see it as like getting involved with agencies. You have a pool of players so that we can kind of be their go-to guys and, and develop relationships with that agency. So they might have, look, this player has, you know, just from my end, because it's easy to think about, has sustained an injury. He doesn't particularly have great medical cover at his club or doesn't have regular med- medical club cover. We know these guys who know what they're doing. Can we send them to them so that they can help out with this player? And then it's, I know what, the care for that injury looks like in an elite environment so how can I provide that for him and yeah that's kind of where where I see it going for the future in terms of linking up with agencies kind of spreading the name about and just being able to help people sounds like an interesting and a bit of a unique concept so yeah obviously like the best of luck to you and um, so where do any aspiring pros who are looking for that help where do they find next level oh yeah I mean probably the easiest way is to take to Instagram so at the next level performer is our, mm-hmm. our Instagram handle and you can sh- drop us a message there and we'll, we'll get in contact with you uh, via email. All right, great. And then you've also got the GAP program. Mm-hmm. What would you summarize that as? The GAP, uh, yeah. So that's the, the Gore Athletic Program is uh, another lockdown business that was uh, kind of born out of uh, a little bit of, a little bit too much time on my hands, should I say? And I suppose it's two things. It's a group training program that is kind of written and developed by myself that, I've kind of distilled my experiences in the gym and, and with fitness from from my own journey, my experiences playing and working in, in championship level rugby, and then my experiences working in, in elite football. Definitely not playing there. Oh, well, maybe the dongs. But yeah, so like, it, it, it's, a, it's a training program developed over kind of my philosophy, how I train and, and my experiences uh, and my academic interests. But first and foremost, really, it's a it's a community. So it's a community of people who are on the same training program, but are there to create shared accountability, to lift each other up um, and to kind of share that experience, much like a team sport. That's kind of my my past experiences in team sport is why I wanted to bring those two things together because I personally think that that's the crux of consistent application and enjoyment and making a healthy lifestyle a part of your life as opposed to being given, you know, you could be given the best program in the world that's got all the science behind it, but are you going to, stick to it are you going to enjoy it enough are you going to make that a part of your life without that shared experience and and that community feel and being surrounded by peers and and the environment that makes you want to turn up every day so yeah it's kind of the combination of those two aspects really obviously the the accountability aspect is really is really key in that and as well I think the competition I know you're saying it's a sport and you're all in the same team but yeah I've always found like when you're going up against someone, a bit healthy competition never hurts, does it? Definitely. It sounds like it's, a, again, another a really good program. And how do they get kind of in touch with you on that front? So the best way to get in touch with me regarding that is to go through the Everyday Entrepreneur website. I'm wondering if you can maybe like post the, the link mm-hmm. to that in the, in the show notes and then, yeah. which is a, a website that is through our, our dear friend Cornelius McGrath's company. So yeah, and then I have a page on that. And then you can just get in contact with me. You can organise a, a Zoom call with myself and we, we can have a, a consultation through that on the website. I've, I've managed to make it through three shows so far without mentioning Cornelius. And uh, and just towards the back end of the last one, uh, he's come up. So um, I'm sure I'm sure he'll be he'll be over the moon with that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just kind of wrapping up now, I think yeah. those last two kind of initiatives and businesses that you talked about kind of 
stress the importance for me of having something you're really passionate about uh, mm-hmm. and that you can kind of like creatively work on. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm hoping talking one for the team is going to be for me. Yeah, uh, I enjoy my, my job in advertising sales, but I kind of hope this will allow me to express myself and follow a passion and help others. So yeah, that's kind of where it came for me. And that kind of strikes and is pretty strong uh, when you talk about GAP and, and next level. More, more power to you, man, with that. I think that is totally the way to go. And like I was saying about when something is just who you are, the, the extra work and, and the strife and the struggle that it's going to bring just is so much worth it. And from the concept around the podcast that you've described to me and your past experiences, I think this really is who you are. And I have no doubt that you'll take it to wherever you want to go. And, and it will be tough at first, but once you start to build momentum and, and the cogs start turning, it's going to be a really enjoyable experience. And something that, you know, when you've hit a few months, you'll, you'll be able to look back on and smile and, and be proud of yourself for. Yeah. And I'm really enjoying it at the moment. Yeah, very young and early in, in the stages, but it's something that I'm, I'm getting a lot of joy out of having these conversations with people like from in and around the sports industry and hopefully in later stages and kind of like beyond that. It's something that I'm, I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. And just kind of to, to wrap up now, it's 20 past nine, so we've slightly overrun. I've been waffling. It's, a, it's all right. No, it's been enjoyable. It's a section called How Sports Saved My Life. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've been doing throughout the series so far. And it kind of puts you in a hypothetical situation and you have to basically take a sports person with you. So, Shane, if you were stuck on top of an erupting volcano, what sports person would you want to help you get out of that situation and why? Who's going to save me? These hypothetical situations <laughs> get more and more hard to come up with every week. Because <laughs> I started with a jungle and a desert, and now I'm onto an erupting volcano. So God knows. So I'm at the top of the happen. volcano, yeah? Mm. It's all going get- off. It's all going off. Mate. It's like Mordor out there. It's all going nuts. I think I'm going to have to call on the uh, on the Cool Runnings boys, actually. Yeah. I'm going, to, I'm going to have to jump in the toboggan with them and hope that we make it down away from the lava. Yeah, that's nice. I've got, I've got a lot of time for that. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm expecting if there's a Jamaican accent coming out at any point, but I'm not going to be taking that plunge. <laughs> you know what? It crossed my mind. I thought, don't even think about it. <laughs> that would have been the bit that goes viral, mate. That's what, that's yeah. what would have gone viral with Jamaican accent. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That doesn't surprise me. It's a good answer. Very practical as well. It's probably the best. Logan, uh, and we're away. And you're away. Yeah, that's 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 smart. Uh, I didn't have that in mind. So yeah, fair play. Um, but yeah, just to finish up, thanks very much for kind of joining. Hope you kind of enjoyed the chat. I know you're a busy man, so appreciate the time. And yeah, I'll see you hopefully next week at the Dongs. Up the Dongs, yeah, mate. And thank you uh, for inviting me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, well done you for making out of bed at the crack of dawn. Won't be happening again for a while. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah appreciate right. it mate nice one mate take care bye bye Podcast Network.